Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Congratulations, true crime addicts. We've survived another week. It is Friday, December 9th, 2022, and I've got a crazy show lined up for you. Uh, here's a little tease for you. Um, we have a name for the, the boy in the box. A man from Sandy Hook. Yeah, the one you're thinking about uh, died after living under a fake name for 10 years. And the torso killer claims he's killed 100 people. I doubt it. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Yes. Super excited. We are all pumped to have James Renner. James Renner. James Renner has zeroed in. James Renner's once again drops a bombshell. Investigative journalist reporter James Renner, who's been on the podcast a long time. By a local writer, James Renner. James Renner. James Renner. All right, guys, let's get to these top stories. But first, first, everybody, I'd like you to say hello to Walter, who's manning the cameras tonight, as always. Hi, Walter. All right. Um, you know, I'm, it's not going to get old for me. Uh, uh, hey, have you, you know, this AI chatbot is all the rage right now. I don't know if you've heard about this, but it's called ChatGPT. Uh, if you're on social media, you've probably heard about this already. Everybody's, it's this like uh, artificial intelligence software that people have put online and you can go on and, and you can ask this AI to write something for you. Uh, you know, homework essays, for example. Not that I'm telling you to do anything, you know, you live your life, but uh, it can also uh, write new chapters of books by novelists that have been dead for hundreds of years. It's pretty crazy. Uh, everybody's feeding new information into it and asking it new questions. I had to go on and ask the, this chat GPT some true crime questions. And, uh, of course, the, the top question that I had... Uh, was what is the most famous missing persons case of the last 50 years? It immediately replied with the most famous missing persons case in the last 50 years is likely the case of the missing child, Madeline McCain. It goes on to tell me exactly why. It's the beginning of an essay. Um, I also 
all I'm saying is you should go on if you're interested in getting answers to some true crime questions, uh, feed it in there. Let me know what you get as a response because some of the responses I got were a little strange. And, you know, you get the, like, the tingling sensation and the hairs raising up in the back of your head. Um, for instance, I asked uh, what happened to Maura Murray, who really killed Amy Mihalovic. And it gave me some pretty decent answers. Nothing too surprising, but the fact that this is coming from an artificial intelligence is really weird. So check it out. Let's get to the top stories right off the bat here. Um, I mentioned this last week, and this is our number one story this week. Yesterday, finally, police in Philadelphia have released the name of the boy in the box, solving a mystery that is 65 years old. Now, I first heard about this mystery when I was working at Scene. Uh, one of my editors was from Philadelphia, and he said, hey, um, have you ever heard about this boy in the box? And I, I hadn't. It wasn't well known, and this was not to date me, but prior to even Facebook when I heard about this from the editor. Here's a little background for you if, if you're unfamiliar with the Boy in the Box mystery. On February 25th, 1957, the body of a four-year-old boy was found in a cardboard box on the side of the road outside of Philadelphia. He'd been beaten and was malnourished at the time of his death. Uh, the police posted photos in the newspaper. They basically showed... They took black and white pictures of this boy's body. He was pretty well preserved at the moment, but nobody came forward to claim him. Now, according to the New York Times, genetic genealogy has recently led, to, led investigators to the Zarelli family, and police have identified the boy in the box as Joseph Augustus Zarelli who was born on January 13, 1953. Now, police say they do not yet know who killed this boy, but he was never reported missing. He, um, he has several siblings who are still alive, but both parents are now dead. Now, it's important to, to note, and, uh, you know, I, I, anything to do with kids makes me a little queasy, but but here we are. Um, uh, when the boy's body was found, he was severely beaten. Um, so this is certainly a homicide, or the, you know, at, or at the very least, neglect and parents who didn't report this person missing. So if there are any answers to be had, it's with these siblings of the Zarelli family. Uh, I hope they come forward and tell their story. I'm sure there's reporters working on this right now. Hey, if you want to come on True Crime this week and, and tell your story, um, you know, we're here. But um, whatever the, the outcome is, that story is not, uh, is, is not a good one. But how cool is it that we're solving these huge cases that have eluded police and mystified reporters for generations. It's, it's really cool. We're living in a really interesting time as far as uh, forensic genealogy goes.
It was Stephen King that said, or maybe it was Dick Van Patten. Anyway, some, one, of, one of the two said, great events turn on small hinges. Keep that in mind with this next story. Around 3 p.m. this past Monday, police in Rock Hill, New York, received a routine call. A man was experiencing a medical emergency at a local apartment. It was his roommate who made that call, by the way. By the time EMT arrived, the man was dead. No word on cause of death, but it was not foul play, say the police. Possibly a heart attack, stroke, organ failure. This sort of thing happens all the time. Now, the roommate knew the dead man as Richard King, but when police tried to formally identify the corpse, they discovered some papers under a different name in the apartment. This name, Robert Hoagland. And that's when this routine story takes a unique turn, according to the Times Union. See, Robert Hoagland had been missing since 2013. This was a man who disappeared from Newtown, Connecticut, nine years ago. His wife and children have been looking for him ever since. There was even a recent episode of Disappeared devoted to him. And all this time, Robert Hoagland has been living about 90 minutes from home. But why? So far, we don't know, and the family is asking for privacy. They're not talking. Here's some background on Robert Hoagland's disappearance. Hoagland and his family lived in Newtown, Connecticut, and that town should sound familiar because it is the site of one of the worst mass shootings in the last hundred years. Uh, this happened when a 20 I'm sorry, when a 20-year-old incel shot and killed 20 children and six adults at Sandy Hook Elementary School in 2012. That occurred just six months before Hoagland disappeared. Now, the two are surely unrelated. I'm not trying to draw any sort of conspiracy or anything like that. All I'm saying is that maybe that kind of event changes a person's perspective. I'm sure this guy knew some of the families involved, some of the people who lost children of their own. Hoagland's kids were just out of school themselves. They were early 20s. Hoagland, at the time of his disappearance in 2013, he worked as a local chef and property appraiser in the neighborhood. His wife, Lori, was a home ec teacher at Newtown High School, again drawing some correlations with the schools. Early in the investigation, police looked for a connection between Hoagland's disappearance and drug dealers who were supplying one of Hoagland's sons with terrible stuff. In fact, the night before he was last seen, Hoagland's son was arrested at a well-known drug den in the area. That was July 28, 2013. When Hoagland failed to show up at the airport to pick up his wife the following day, he was reported missing. His wife's name's Lori, by the way, and when Lori returned home, she found that all their cars were still there. And Robert had left behind a wallet, passport, phone, medication, everything that was important to him. It seemed by appearance to be an abduction, but who abducts a middle-aged white guy? 
they thought perhaps these these drug dealers or something along those lines. Apparently, it didn't have anything to do with that. So what the hell's going on here? I don't know. I don't know. We But we got a big chunk of this mystery this week when they realized that this dead man uh, just outside the Catskills was actually this Robert Hoagland who'd gone missing after the Newtown shootings in Newtown. So it's 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 weird right what's he what's he running from was it just was there just too much trauma already and then this on top of it and it compiled did he have a break and run away there's there's a lot more story there so i'm particularly interested in this one so keep an eye on it final top story for today serial killer richard cottingham who some people call the torso killer, although the original torso killer, the, um, uh, what do you call it? The OG torso killers from Cleveland. This is a different one. Um, he, this week, Richard Cottingham admitted to five more murders in a deal with prosecutors in New York. This according to the Times. Cottingham says he's responsible for the deaths deaths of Mary Beth Hines, Laverne Moy, Sheila Hyman, Maria Emerita Rosado Nieves, and Deanna Cusick. These, these five women were murdered on Long Island in the 70s. So this closes out a lot of cases, right? Cottingham, by the way, is already in prison. In the 1980s, Cottingham was convicted of five murders in New Jersey and New York City. He's now 76 years old. He knows he's not getting out. He's dying in prison. And a couple years ago, he began confessing to additional murders, telling people he's responsible for as many as 100 homicides. In 2021, Cottingham pleaded guilty to two murders from 1974 and the murders of three New Jersey schoolgirls in a deal that kept him from being prosecuted again. He's sitting in prison, giving these confessions. One reason to do these things, and I'm not saying this is happening here, but one reason that people will do these things is for accommodations in prison. He's 76 years old. What is it worth for him to plead to some of these unsolved murders, let the police close out their cases in exchange for an additional ramen pack at the end of the week. He's got nothing to lose here. Now, DNA, it was DNA that led investigators to link Cottingham uh, to the 1968 murder of Diane Cusick. So we know he's responsible for that one. But there's no evidence in any of the others or any of these new ones also um, that link him to the crime. And also the victims themselves range, there's a wide range of ages and races. And it, there it suddenly isn't a similar MO between them all. Um, so I'm, for one, suspicious. Uh, anybody that claims they've killed 100 people, I tend to think 
are uh, bullshit artists. Uh, all we really know about Cottingham is that he's a hell of a liar. And here he is, 76, just wanting a, f a, a little niceties in his prison cell before he faces the, the end. Uh, so I tend to doubt some of these cases, although I think we can certainly put Diane Cusick uh, in, his, in his tally. And I'm glad there's closure for the Cusick family at, at the very least, but he reminds me of that Sam Little serial killer that we got a couple years ago who claimed he had killed over 100 people just like this guy. Um, and uh, the thought, it, it's weird that we don't, you know, the, all we know about these, these killers are that they are liars. But as soon as they confess to 80 more murders, we're like, oh yeah, that must, now he's telling the truth. No, he's still lying. He just wants a little cushier prison cell to spend the rest of his life in. So um, don't throw these cases away so quickly because uh, I'm not buying it and neither should you. Hey, um, I've got a lot more coming up after the break, some cold case updates. I've got a new segment called the Scuttlebutt. Uh, stick around. <laughs> I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. 
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. And we're back with Home Improvement, starring Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Hey, um, starting a new segment this week called Scuttlebutt. Uh, when I was a reporter at, at the scene, we used to have this little thing at the beginning of our paper called the, the, the Scuttlebutt uh, that would give short little news stories. So this is, it's going to be like your inside scoop on the true crime uh, oeuvre. Uh, the true crime genre. Uh, and so stick with me. I'm going to give you the, the inside scoop every week. Uh, this week in the scuttlebutt, uh, Ashley Flowers, host of Crime Junkie, the reigning queen of true crime, announced that she's going on tour. This according to Deadline.com. You can get the link at the liner notes. Uh, the, this is part of her, the deck investigate store. She's got Crime Junkie, but she also has a couple other podcasts. One of them is called The Deck, and that takes this idea of a deck of cards, and every card is a new case. Okay. Um, But uh, anyways, this is part of the the Deck Investigates Tour, uh, which details an unsolved case from the region where she grew up. And here's here's a little bit of the case itself. One of the cases explored will be the brutal killing of Darlene Hulse. In the summer of 1984, Darlene was killed in her own home, and despite the immediate manhunt, eyewitnesses, hundreds of leads, and investigative support from local, state, and federal levels, Darlene's killer has gone undetected for nearly 40 years. Ashley Flowers will share newly discovered details from exclusive interviews with the families witnesses, law enforcement, and even the suspects themselves in hopes of finally bringing justice to Darlene and her family. She's going to tour 11 cities beginning February 1st. Tickets go on sale December 12th. Check it out. Some cold case updates for you. I've got a lot, so let's get right to it. Lots of high-profile court cases were wrapping up this week. Ramesh, uh, also known as Sonny, Balwani, you'll know him as the COO of Theranos. He was sentenced to 13 years in prison for fraud on Wednesday, which is kind of a dig because his girlfriend, Elizabeth Holmes, his former girlfriend, I should say, was already sentenced to just 11 years in prison. Now, you'll remember them both from that movie, The Dropout, which was um, all about the scandal of Elizabeth Holmes, who was this kind of Steve Jobs acolyte who tried to, said she had, invented this machine where you could uh, feed it a drop of blood and it would uh, do about 200 tests to tell you everything wrong with you. Um, it didn't really work though. She was trying that whole fake it to make it thing. Anyways, 
she and Sonny are now going to prison, probably separate prisons. Now, I will say this. You know, I, I, I think, by the way, for what it's worth, uh, and nobody's asking me, but I would say that these sentences are a little, a little big for what they really did. Uh, but, you know, I, I w- I'd be fine with three years, 11 13 years, that's a long, that's a long ass time. Anyways, uh, one thing I will say is I would totally watch a new episode, uh, a new season of Orange is the New Black if the central character was Elizabeth Holmes with that weird voice. I'm, I'm all there for it. I think that's a reboot. Uh, Call me on that. I, I can help you with the pilot. Also sentenced this week, Anne Sekoulis. Who? Who, you ask? James. James, who is this Anne Sekoulis? I'm going to tell you. Uh, You might have forgotten the story, but she's the wife of that CIA agent. And she possibly worked for uh, that agency as well, if you believe her lawyers. Let's go back to August 27th, 2019 and the before times. Now, after having just moved to Britain... Anne Sekoulis drove her Volvo SUV. You know, she's from America. We drive on the right side of the road. The Britons uh, drive on the wrong side of the road, right? Um, so she's there. But you're, you're either a secret agent or you're married to one. You should know what side of the road to drive on. She did not. She drove on the wrong side of the road and collided with a, a 19-year-old young man named Harry Dunn according to the Washington Post. This became an international story of intrigue after Insekoulis returned to the States. She fled the UK before she could be charged. Finally, the UK charged her, and the United States denied extradition. Donald Trump said, no, no, we're not going to give her to you. Clearly, a deal was made in the interim because uh, Insekoulis was sentenced this week to eight an eighth-month prison term, but it was suspended, meaning she's not going to really serve time as long as she doesn't kill somebody else. It means she doesn't have to go to jail. She doesn't have to do anything. Oh, by the way, she didn't bother to show up for court. Um, This whole thing is infuriating. Um, It's... I can't imagine, like, what... Yeah. <laughs> and I hate to be, you know, I don't want to be known as like this, this woke voice. I have no interest in that. But what kind of entitled uh, white woman privilege do you have where you can accidentally, sure, accidentally kill a young man and then just decide you're not going to show up in court. You don't have to travel. You don't have to answer directly to these questions. She did appear on uh, uh, streaming. She did appear on Zoom. But she didn't physically go to the court and answer for, for, for what happened, even though it was an accident, even though she knew she wouldn't end up in jail. The argument here is that she needed diplomatic immunity because she was the wife of a government agent, a CIA agent. Um, 
her lawyers are saying she was also one herself. And then you've got a, so it's one or the other. Either you have a situation where we're trying to give diplomatic immunity to a spouse of an agent, or she was an agent herself and didn't know what side of the road to drive on. Either way, this was a, you know, it's, it's, doesn't, doesn't look good for the United States and the, the agents that we're hiring for these clandestine operations. That one bu bugs me a lot. I don't know why. Uh, here's another story. James Howard Jackson was sentenced to 21 years in prison on Monday. It's according to the Associated Press. James Howard Jackson. What? Who's that? Why do we care? What's the crime? Oh, he's the guy that shot Lady Gaga's dog walker. Uh, you remember this case? She sent her dogs out to get walked, and the dog walker was shot, and then somebody stole Lady Gaga's dogs for like a couple days, and then they showed up, and everything was fine. Uh, luckily, the guy was only injured, severely, but injured. Um, the... James Howard Jackson, uh, he was only after the dogs. They were purebred French bulldogs. He was sentenced to 21 years in prison for this whole thing. So uh, that happened. A sad end this week in a missing persons case out of Fraser, Pennsylvania. That's a small town outside of Westchester, Pennsylvania. The body of Darlene Harbison was discovered along a rural road in Armstrong County this week, according to the Post-Gazette. Now, Darlene had been missing for three months and was last seen with her boyfriend, Eric Gibbs, who died by suicide in September. He was the chief suspect in her disappearance. A hunter discovered Darlene's remains uh, this week, a ways off the road. Uh, the manner of death has not been ruled on yet. And um, there's a couple other weird things i got to share with you. Now, Darlene had a protection order out at the time of her disappearance against this Eric Gibbs. She said he'd pulled a gun on her when she tried to contact the police, and he told her he would commit suicide if she ever left him. Then uh, two days before Darlene disappeared, Eric Gibbs showed up, her, up at her house, very intoxicated, and uh, dropped his drawers and, and exposed himself to her and shouted a lot of obscenities and I think then like passed out or something. So then he committed suicide while she was a missing persons, and which leads us to this week when she's found. Now... A hunter found her motorcycle first. She disappeared with her motorcycle. The motorcycle was found off the road. Now, let's take all the facts together. She's found in this other location. There's a motorcycle off the road. Her body's found nearby. Her boyfriend kills himself. One of two things, and you tell me what is the most likely option here. Either he ran her off the road, or I'm going to add a, a, a third thing here. Either he ran her off the road, or he took her bike with her for some God-knows reason and dumped it with the body, or her death 
was accidental and has nothing to do with Eric Gibbs. And as crazy as that sounds, we had a we had a suspect. He committed suicide when she's still missing. Oh my God! It looks like he certainly did it. I don't think they had anything to do with anything. I think we're looking at an accidental death. She um, crashed into the woods in her motorcycle and then despondent Eric Gibbs commits suicide. I think that might be what we're dealing with here. Now, I could be wrong, and if I am, I will certainly share it here or completely ignore it and pretend I was right. Uh, finally, a good story here. Um, about genetic genealogy and I'm still so amazed at what genetic genealogy can do and there's a case this week very interesting it begins on April 2nd 1972 when a 16 year old girl named Nancy Fitzgerald went missing in Bloomfield New Jersey it's right outside Montclair and if you're not familiar with New Jersey um, you think of New Jersey maybe you think of New Jersey City or Newark, um, there's some very beautiful parts of New Jersey. Montclair is one of them. Um, so Bloomfield, it, it's, it's a nice little town. So Nancy Fitzgerald goes missing in Bloomfield, New Jersey in 1972 when she's 16 years old. The family of, Nancy's family searched for her for years and years all over the country. Then there's a second mystery. That of the remains of a Jane Doe found off the Henry Hudson bike trail in Atlantic Highlands on December 10th, 1988. Now, Atlantic Highlands is also in New Jersey, but it's like a little more than an hour away from Bloomfield, south of Manhattan. Um, so in 1988, people were cleaning up that area and they found a human skull. I have two mysteries here. Now, fast forward to this week, and police announced that Bodie Technology, a friend of the show, the Porchlight Project uses Bodie all the time. Bodie um, ID the remains found in 1988 as being those of Nancy Fitzgerald, who went missing in 1972. And now the two mysteries come together. One city has a missing person. One city has a Jane Doe. Bodie links them. Two birds, one stone. We'll see a lot of this in the coming years. Now, we still don't know the circumstance of Nancy's death, and the coroner so far has been unable to determine whether this was a murder or not. But there's one more weird twist to the story that hasn't been widely reported yet. You heard it here first on True Crime This Week with James Renner. That's me. That's why you listen. A year after Nancy went missing... Nancy's mother got a phone call, and on the other end of the phone was a girl's voice, and she was screaming for help. Mom, I made a big mistake, she screamed. Come get me help. Now, her mother thought it was another sister, Kathleen, but then Kathleen came home, and she realized, no, it must be Nancy herself. What was that phone call about? Was it really Nancy? Does it somehow fit into this whole thing? There's more to this, so uh, follow it if you can. Let's jump over to the pop culture. Have you watched this Anthony, this this Casey Anthony thing on Peacock yet? Uh, if you haven't, don't. Please. But 
everybody seems to be talking about it this week. Casey Anthony is one of those stories that you can never quite stop talking about. It's such a train wreck. I'm sure you remember Casey Anthony's two-year-old daughter, Kaylee Anthony, was reported missing on July 15, 2008. Her body was, the girl's body was found December 11th. And her mother, Casey, was charged with murder right off, uh, right about then. And they went after her for the death penalty. But um, these stupid Florida prosecutors jumped the gun. If they'd waited just a little bit, they would have realized that this was more, more of a, an accidental death and cover-up than a premeditated murder, which is what they charged her with which is not what happened. Uh, so they kind of screwed the pooch at the beginning and the jury had to go along with those guidelines or a quitter. And they, they, and they did with the major charges. But anyways, the whole thing is disgusting and gross. And now there's this new documentary on Peacock. Anyways, here's the gist. If you haven't seen it, Casey ends up blaming her father for everything. She claims he molested her but she freely admits several times throughout the documentary that she is a liar. Like, for instance, when she lied about where she was working. She told the police that she was working at Universal Studios and had, a, and had an office and went so far with that lie that the police brought her to Universal Studios and said, hey, show me your office. And she's like, yeah, sure, it's in here. And she goes walking down the hallway towards her office that doesn't exist before she finally breaks down and says, okay, I was lying. So anyways, she says she took a nap and woke up and her father was there holding Kaylee's lifeless body after she fell into a pool. And she insinuates that maybe her father, in fact, actually killed her because maybe he was also molesting her. Now, the, the only question I have in all this is why the hell he's not suing her for defamation? Why that hasn't happened yet? That gives me pause. Um, but uh, gross. Don't don't go after the show. Um, although I'm sure you will. Uh, it's one of those hate watch type of things. But um, anyways, that's what people are talking about. Uh, and hopefully that's the last time we hear from Casey Anthony. Although as I'm saying that, I already doubt it. Hey, um, I want to tell you. You know, this is the part of the show where I tell you about a book on my bookshelf. This week, uh, I want to tell you about Trailed, um, and it's perfect timing because Trailed was just named as one of the top true crime stories of 2022 by Tina Jordan with the New York Times, if you follow those things. And I, I got an advanced copy of this. Um, I'm lucky in that some pe sometimes people will send me these before they're actually published, and I, I read this, and it was very good. Um, here's the write-up. In May 1996, two skilled backcountry leaders, Lolly Winnens and Julie Williams, were found murdered at their remote campsite in Virginia's Shenandoah National Park. This horrific unsolved crime continues to baffle authorities today. Was it a random murder? A hate crime? The Shenandoah murders haunt not just the victims' friends and loved ones, but also key investigators members of the larger wilderness community, all unable to shake the memory of the loss of this free-spirited and remarkable young couple 
Gone Too Soon. The book's called Trailed. If you're into true crime, I know you're going to like it. It's a top pick for 2022. Give it a read. And that's, uh, that's the show for this week. Uh, it's the weekend, folks. It's time to celebrate. Go see a movie or something. Uh, get lit, you know. Smoke them if you got them. Um, and weekends always cause to celebrate. And in the words of the incomparable Murray Saul, the godfather of Cleveland Radio, that means we got to, 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 got to. Get down, damn it. True Crime This Week is a fearful symmetry production. Photo and artwork are licensed through Shutterstock. If you like the cut of my jib, I have another podcast you might enjoy called The Philosophy of Crime, in which I attempt to solve the big questions behind our true crime obsession by looking to philosophy for answers. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. Sit, Brownie, sit. Good dog.